0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, have you heard? Have you heard? Only 365 more days to Christmas. <clears throat> yep, it's true. Absolutely true. Perhaps not necessarily the kind of news that you want to hear, particularly today on Christmas Day itself. It's like, come on, let me just enjoy this Christmas. And, and I'm sure you will. Because uh, there's so much to enjoy about Christmas, isn't there? I love Christmas. So many cool Christmas traditions. Uh, I wonder if you've got a favourite. Uh, Maybe listening to Bing Crosby Christmas carol CDs. uh, Maybe standing under mistletoe. uh, Maybe popping those Christmas crackers. Hmm, I wonder. Well, in my family, there is a, a particular Christmas tradition that has been passed down from generation to generation. And I've got to say, it is my favourite Christmas tradition of all. Because you see, in my family, after we finish our Christmas Day lunch, uh, we we, we chuck the the dishes, sometimes literally, chuck the dishes into the dishwasher and then we all head off for our traditional Christmas Day sleep. (laughs) And in my opinion, I have to say there is nothing in all the world quite like the traditional Christmas Day sleep. It is truly a most beautiful, uh, a, a most blessed thing. Because let's face it, the lead up to Christmas can be absolutely crazy, can't it? There's just so much to do. You think about it. Okay? You've got to go to the shops. You go to the shops. You go to the shops, then you drive around in the shopping car park for half an hour trying to find a car park. You find a car park, you go into the shops, you look for your presents. You buy your presents, you wrap your presents up, you bring them home. You unwrap your presents, then you wrap your presents back up again. Then it's at that time, of course, that you find that uh, the batteries are missing for one of the presents. So back into the car again, to the shops, find another car park, go in, buy the batteries, bring them home. Then, of course, it's time to put up the Christmas decorations. So you find the Christmas decorations, pull down the Christmas decorations, open up the Christmas decorations, spend a couple of hours untangling the Christmas decorations, put up the Christmas decorations. You put up the Christmas tree. You have the traditional family fight while you put up the Christmas tree. (laughs) then it's time to write the Christmas cards. You write the Christmas cards over a couple of days and then you go to the post box and you send the Christmas cards. You come home, you look in the letterbox and there, of course, is a Christmas card from that person that you never expected to get a Christmas card from. So you write a new Christmas card, put it in the envelope, you go to the post box and you send it as well. Then, of course, it's time to go to all the Christmas parties and pretend like you want to be there. Then it's time to get all the Christmas food ready for Christmas Day lunch. And then it's time to pack the family into the car, drive them to church, unload them all, walk into the church, find a pew somewhere, sit down and then listen to a preacher. And here we are. (laughs) And that's the abridged version. (laughs) Uh, It's such a busy time, isn't it? No wonder we don't want to be thinking about next Christmas And so in my family, when that dishwasher is turned on, well, that's the signal that it's all time for us to collapse into bed and enjoy the most beautiful, the most joyous, peaceful, blessed sleep of the entire year. (sighs) But the thing about the traditional Christmas Day sleep is you've got to time it just right. You've got to time it just right. So you can't have your Christmas Day sleep while you're down at the shops doing your shopping. You do that and you're not going to get any presents and there's going to be some pretty disappointed people around the place. You can't have your Christmas Day sleep while you're preparing your Christmas lunch. You do that and you're not going to end up eating any prawns, heaven forbid. Now the thing about the Christmas Day sleep is you've got to time it just right. It only comes after all these other things have been done, after you've already prepared for Christmas First, you get ready for Christmas and then you sleep, which kind of reminds me a bit of a story that Jesus once told, a story about the ultimate celebration, okay, not Christmas, uh, the ultimate celebration, heaven, and it's a story that I want us to look at this morning. And uh, to make your life a little bit easier this morning, because I know you've been busy in the lead up to Christmas, I've actually printed off this story for you on the inside cover of your service program. There on the right hand side, reading number two. It's a story that comes from a part of the Bible called Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. And in this story, Jesus compares the celebration of heaven to the celebration of a wedding. He compares heaven to a happy wedding wedding celebration and central in this story that jesus tells are 10 young girls 10 young girls 10 virgins now apparently it's the job of these 10 young girls to welcome the bridegroom as he arrives for the wedding so you notice that in this particular wedding it's not the the bride who comes to meet the groom it's the other way around it's the groom who comes to meet the bride and it seems that this wedding is taking place at night because the way that these 10 young girls are to welcome the bridegroom is by holding up their uh, lamps as he approaches. That's their job, to hold up their lamps. Now, five of these young girls, Jesus describes as wise, but the other five he describes as foolish. And what makes the wise ones wise is the fact that they're prepared for when the bridegroom arrives. You see, they've not only brought their lamps, but they've also brought oil to put in their lamps. And so you see, they're wise because they're prepared, they're ready for when the bridegroom comes. But the foolish girls, well, they're not prepared at all. They've got their lamps with them, uh, yes, but they're not going to do them much good because they haven't brought any oil to put in their lamps. Here, read with me the beginning of this story there on your program, from Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, 25:1, where Jesus says, "At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise." The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Okay, so do you see we've got these five wise girls, we've got these five foolish girls. The wise ones are prepared, but the foolish ones are not. And then, as the story continues, we learn that the bridegroom is taking a long time in coming And so it starts getting later and later into the evening. and as it does, the 10 young girls start getting sleepier and sleepier, and then after a little while, they all not off to sleep. But then, as the clock strikes midnight, the cry goes out, "The bridegroom is here. The bridegroom is here. He's coming now. Quick, everybody into your positions. Well, the the young girls hear the commotion. They they wake up from their sleep and they go to get their lamps ready. But it's then that the five foolish girls realise that that they're not ready for the bridegroom to come now. They they, they haven't got any oil to keep their lamps burning. They're not ready. And so they turn to the five wise girls and, and they ask them for some of their oil But the wise girls can't help them. If they give away some of their oil, well, there might not be enough for themselves. And and so they suggest that these foolish girls go off and do what they should have done a long time ago. Go and and buy some oil for their lamps. Here, read with me from verse 5. Verse 5. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And so that's exactly what they do. The five foolish girls, they rush off and they buy some oil. And then they they rush back again to welcome the bridegroom. But when they get back, they discover that everyone's gone. There's nobody there anymore. Now everyone's inside the function centre. Now the doors have been closed and locked. And now all they can hear is is the muffled sound of celebration coming from inside. Bang, bang, bang. They knock on the door. Hello? Can anybody hear us? It's us. The five foolish virgins. (laughs) Uh, We're here. Got our lamps. Got our oil now. We're ready. Hello, bridegroom. Can you hear us? Let us in, please. But then comes a voice from the other side of the door, the voice of the bridegroom. Whoever you are, he says, go away. Because now the doors have been shut and now all my friends are inside with me. You, I do not know. Read with me from verse 10. Verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins, who were were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. And with that, the five foolish virgins are left to come to the cold, hard realisation that the doors will not be opening for them. That no matter how much they beg and plead, they will not be a part of this celebration. Well, it's a pretty harsh story, isn't it? It is a pretty harsh story. I mean... It's pretty hard to imagine someone really being turned away from a wedding celebration, you know, just because they were simply a little bit slack in buying some oil, wouldn't you say? But then, this is no ordinary wedding, is it? Because remember, Jesus was just using this story as, a, as an illustration of what the ultimate celebration would be like. And not a wedding, no, the ultimate celebration. Heaven. Heaven. See, friends, at Christmas, at Christmas, what we do is we look back and we remember that time in history when Jesus, the Son of God, first came into this world. But what we need to do is we need to keep remembering that the story is much, much bigger than that. Because Jesus himself told us that the day would come when he would come back again, come back again into this world not as a little baby, but as king and judge of the world. It would be his second coming, a day when he would come back and take all his people, all his friends, to be with him in heaven forever. And that is the point of this story about the ten virgins. You see, Jesus is really the bridegroom of the story. The one who is coming to celebrate with his people. But friends, sadly, not not all people will get to be a part of that celebration. Because on that day he returns, there will be found two types of people. There will be wise people and there will be foolish people. And what will set them apart is that some of them will be ready for the coming of the bridegroom, Jesus, And some will not. See, that's why Jesus concludes this story with those words there in verse 13. Do you see them? Verse 13. He says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. See what he's doing? He's warning us. He's warning us to get wise. He's warning us to get ready for his return, ready to welcome him, to not be caught sleeping unprepared. And so, of course, that presents us with the most important question of all, doesn't it? The question of how do you get ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? How do you prepare for the day of his return? I mean, we all know what it means to get ready for Christmas, don't we? It means running around crazy for several weeks. We all now know what it meant for those Young girls to get ready for that wedding, don't we? Apparently, it meant coming along with with lamp and oil. But how do you get ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Well, friends, that's the amazing thing. Because you see, it was actually at Jesus' first coming 2,000 years ago that he made all the preparations for us on our behalf. In fact, that was the whole purpose of his first coming. See, do you, remember, do you remember what the angel said to Joseph just after Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant? Do you remember? We heard it in our first Bible reading. The angel said to Joseph, he said, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Because he will save his people from their sins. See, that was the whole purpose of the first Christmas. The whole purpose of the first coming of Jesus. That he might save his people from their sins. In other words, save them from their rebellion against God. Save them from their ungodly disobedience. Save them from the sins which makes each and every one of us enemies with God. Those sins which keep us out of heaven and instead condemn us to hell. That's why he came. And how did Jesus save us from our sins? Well, he did that at the cross. You see, Jesus, that little baby lying in the manger, grew up. He grew up to be a man. A man who then died on a cross. And as he died on the cross, the sins of the world were placed upon him. There he died in the place of sinners. He was the sinner's substitute. There he died, condemned for sinners like you and me. You see, that's why Jesus was born that first Christmas day. That he might grow up and die on a cross That we might be forgiven and saved from our sins. But even that wasn't the end of the story. Because after he died, Jesus rose to life again, and now he promises that the day is coming when he will return to this world as king and judge, a day in which he will usher his forgiven friends into his heavenly kingdom forever. When will that happen? Got absolutely no idea. It's been 2,000 years so far, hasn't it? 2,000 years. Still hasn't returned. He's certainly been a long time in coming, wouldn't you say? A lot like that bridegroom in the story, wouldn't you say? But just like the bridegroom in the story, he will come. And the point is, we're going to wake up and get ready for that day now. Put our trust in Jesus now. Find the forgiveness of our sins in him now. Because if we wait until the day he returns, then it will be too late. Friends, over the last few weeks, uh, the people of our city, the people of Sydney, have been very... Very busy, haven't they? I'm sure you've noticed. Very, very busy getting prepared, getting prepared for Christmas, rushing around here, there and everywhere, buying the presents, wrapping the presents, sending the cards, doing the shopping. Very busy. But friends, the great tragedy is that so many in this city of ours will be celebrating this Christmas Day and yet at the same time ignoring the true significance of the day. That Jesus came to prepare us for his return. That he came to prepare us for heaven. I think that it's fair to say that spiritually speaking, we live in a city that is fast asleep and totally unprepared. But friends, the day will come when the shout will go out, the bridegroom's here. And on that day, there will be no more time to get prepared. And on that day, the great doors of heaven will be closed forever. And those who are unprepared will be shut out forever. And no amount of pleading or begging will ever change that. Only the prospect of hearing those dreadful words from the lips of Jesus, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Yes, friends, it's true. Only 365 more days to Christmas. There's some more dreadful words for you. And this time next year, God willing, you know what? We'll do this all over again, won't we? We'll go through all the craziness to get ready for Christmas and, and then if you're, after it's all done, if you're like my family, then you'll get to enjoy your traditional Christmas Day sleep. But friend, the question that you must answer this morning is, are you ready for the ultimate celebration? Are you ready for heaven? Are you prepared for the day of Jesus' return? Or are you sleeping unprepared? Has Jesus saved you from your sins? Well, if not then, friend, the great news is, It's not too late. The clock has not struck midnight yet, if you know what I mean. Jesus has has not come back yet. At least not so far today. It's not too late to wake up, to get wise and to put your trust in Jesus now. To ask him to save you from your sins now. And to decide that you're going to follow him as your king and saviour from this day onwards and friend should you decide to do that today then do me a favour would you celebrate this Christmas like never before because you know for the very first time you'll be able to celebrate Christmas in the knowledge that Jesus has not only come but that he's coming back again and that on that day he's going to look at you and say my friend oh my friend Come on in, for the great celebration is about to begin. Let's pray. Now, God, we thank you that on that first Christmas, you sent your son, Jesus, as our saviour, as the one who would save us from our sins. Oh, Lord, as we think of our city, our family, our friends, our neighbours, We know that so many are celebrating this Christmas without their trust in Jesus, without their sins forgiven, so many who are spiritually sleeping. Dear God, please use us to share with them their need for Jesus. Father, please help them to get wise. And dear Lord, we pray for those of us here today who perhaps have come to realise for the very first time that they are totally unprepared for heaven Father, please hear the desire of their hearts now to find that forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers them. Father, please make this Christmas Day extra special for them that it might also be the day of their salvation. Lord God, we we thank you that the day is coming when Jesus will return and take us to be with him and you in heaven forever. Father, thank you that in Jesus you have given us reason to truly celebrate Not just for a day, not just for a season, not even for a a whole lifetime. But reason to celebrate for all eternity. Amen.